Bonjour and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. I was introduced to the work of Jamel Shabazz through my friend Ibarionex Perello, who is the host of the Candid Frame podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, and I highly recommend it. And after listening to the show, uh, which I will link here on the show notes, I was so impressed, impressed by uh, Jamel's story and his passion for what he does. And uh, I immediately contacted Ibarionex to make sure he didn't mind if I, uh, if I stole his guest and, and dug a little deeper in some of Jamel's work and, uh, and some of his projects for my own show, Street Focus. And uh, uh, Ibarionex said it was a, a great choice. So I emailed Jamel right away and he kindly accepted to come on my show and talk about his new project called Honor and Dignity. Jamel, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me, Valerie. It's an honor. Oh, I'm excited. I just, uh, I, I dug a little deeper in your work after the Candid Frame show and uh, found some videos, looked at some of your books. So I'm just, I just love, love what you do. And, and your work is so unique and so important. So, so who is Jamel? When did you get started with this? Do you, you call yourself a street photographer, first of all? No, I don't. I'm, I'm just pretty much a, a recorder. I like the term epistolius, and that's a, a title that was given to my daughter when she was in college in a, a Greek fraternity, fraternity and it de- excuse me, sorority, and it deals with a recorder of history. So I view myself more so today as plainly a, a recorder of history. Okay, that's a, that's a good way to put it, because, I mean, you're, you're in Brooklyn, New York, correct? Yes, Okay, so you started recording over there, or uh, or somewhere else, or is it yes, mostly I, been I near New York? Yes, I picked up my first camera in 1975. I was I was 15 years old at the time, and I had borrowed my mother's uh, little cheap Kodak Instamatic camera, and uh, it was just magical, you know, what I was able to create and the power I felt in terms of having a camera, and that power pretty much was having the ability to make people feel good, to make people smile, to make people feel special. And with that, it became pretty much like my compass that I would carry with me everywhere I went and just document life around me. But, uh, you know, my, my roots in photography is really, uh, it comes from my father, who was a professional photographer, and he was in the United States Navy back in the 1950s. 50s. He had traveled the world, and it's through his eyes that I was able to see really the beauty of photography, both through his work and through the, the various photography books he had in the library. So as a young child, I embraced all that. So when a lot of kids were reading comic books, I was learning about photography, and it, you know, through his books. And also through the work of my uncles that were also photographers. So that's pretty much the foundation of, of my, my humble beginnings. But it really wasn't until um, uh, when I turned 20, when I came home from the military, that I really got deep into photography. When I embraced it as a craft and I started carrying my camera everywhere I went and I focused on different themes and I created a large body of work based on that journey. So from really 1980 to this present day and time, I've been shooting almost every day. That, that's right. And, and, uh, and you explained that really well in, in the Candid Frame episode. And, and I find that so fascinating because that wasn't your full time job. I mean, you have a, you had a full time job and, and you were, uh, the photography was, was your hobby, but it was also maybe therapeutic for you. Yes, it was. It, it was, a, in a sense, a hobby. And it, it was, you know, the, the camera became a part of me where I carried it everywhere I went. And I wanted to have pretty much a, 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 a visual diary of my journey. So the camera enabled me both to have that 
at the same time, it created an opportunity for me to meet so many wonderful people throughout my travels and not only photograph them, but engage in conversation with them about life. So it, it, the camera really allowed me to just meet people and, and, and so many wonderful individuals that I would never have had an opportunity to meet if it wasn't for the camera. That's right. And so, um, so what you do is not so much candid photography, although you, you do have some candid work in your, in your images, but it's a lot of portraits. It's mostly portraits. It's actually a combination. It depends on what I'm feeling at the time and what particular theme I'm working on. Uh, I, I'm grounded in portrait photography. You know, that's the foundation because I like to engage people. And, you know, you know, normally I ask people's permission. So with portrait photography, it puts me in a position to confront people and talk to them. But I have a whole nother body of work that I shot around the same time back in the 1980s. And it's unposed. It's documentary photography that's not often seen. And these images are spontaneous. A lot of it is just really hardcore street photography. And that work has not really been, been uh, uh, published over time. But I'm working on a book now called Unposed in hope that I could really get out of that pigeonhole of just portrait photography and show another body of work that's very close to my heart. And I've been shooting that document that for about 30 years now, too. That's right. And it was it's film. So now you have to um, do you do all the work of, of scanning everything? Yes, I do. Oh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> it is. It's a very difficult task. But you know what? I, I enjoy it because it allows me to revisit my life. And every every photograph represents a second of my life. So scanning allows me to go back and just just, just re revisit my journey. So I, right. I actually enjoy it. It's, it's, it's a tedious task, but at the same time, it's very rewarding to me. Before we start talking about honor and dignity, what were the projects that really touched you the most? Well, I was, I was stationed in Germany back in the 1970s, and I returned back, back to the United States during the summer of 1980. And I came home to a very changed society. So two of my, the first subjects I started to work on, believe it or not, was prostitution and homelessness. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw it and I didn't understand it. And it really drew my eye to try to understand how these type of conditions can exist. So those were the first themes in which I worked on. You know, I had I became a concerned photographer. So I went out there and I just started shooting uh, uh, those type of conditions. I started in the Bowery in New York City, and then I would work my way up in, into different areas that prostitution was known at 42nd Street. And I would spend countless hours. Sometimes I might go at, at, at 12 o'clock in the morning and come home 8 o'clock in the morning, just docking, walking the streets and trying to learn more about that. So that was one of my earlier projects. And I would go on to do that for pretty much 10 years. And then as time would go on, I wanted to show another side. My father, you know, he was very critical of that work. He felt it was depressing. So in a sense, he inspired me to shoot something more, more positive. So what I would do, I would turn back to my, uh, my high school and I started photographing students. And those students would make a pretty much a large body of my work in, in, in my books back in the days in the time before crack. And in photographing students, it gave me an opportunity to talk to them about life, too, because it really wasn't about photography for me. It was about having conversations with people and talking to students. It put me in a position to speak about my life, my journey, some of the missteps, missteps that I made. But I also shared with them, the, you know, uh, the importance of documenting lives. I taught them chess and it helped me to build bridges with young people about life. And, uh, and that was a beautiful thing for me, you know, becoming like a mentor. So the uh, camera became a, a key, a master key. They got me into different places. And I, again, I started, you know, I would the, the work that was very close to my heart was working with students, young people. And you must have touched so many lives um, and maybe just 
put some some of those kids on the on the right path maybe um through through those conversations you had with them and and uh that i think that's just so wonderful that you uh the this your role as a mentor and and using your your camera as a as a medium i think that's just uh that is great and it shows in your work you have that connection um and we'll we will put some samples uh, of your work and link to to your to your site but and your books but the way you it doesn't seem like you really have to pose people when you do portrait they just become they're so natural yes a, a lot of it is, is natural I, I prefer it that way and in the times in which i might come upon a subject that may not know what to do mm-hmm. and uh and then that puts me in a position to now take take the creativity to another level and that's when i start to pose a lot of people because i would have a willing part, participant but then they say you know what I don't, i don't know what to do so i said okay let me just move you to this to this wall that blends in which complements your complexion matter of fact want you crouch down and do that and then i would start to create and that became another aspect of my work posing and i i enjoyed that because it allowed me to really like my subjects became almost like soft clay and mm-hmm. i was able to take something to a whole nother level because some poses could be quite boring and i call it adding flavor to it you know i might like i said just especially when it came came down to group group poses you know i was just you know size people up and just kind of worked them a little bit and uh and we both enjoyed it it made it fun and it also produced almost like a competition with other people that were watching and they would say you know what we could pose better than that And it became like a pose contest downtown Brooklyn. So I made it a fun experience. I didn't want to just be serious and, and, and uh, one-dimensional. I wanted to have an exchange with, with both myself and all the subjects in which I photographed. And again, I found that the posing made it fun. It even I, I would even put the ball in their court and let them think about different poses to do. And that added to the creativity and, uh, you know, a collaboration. That is great. So now how do you, um, a lot of people now are working on uh, 100 stranger portraits, projects, and so forth. So um, are approaching strangers in the street is very difficult for a lot of people. Uh, how, do you, how do you approach subjects when you're just walking down the street and you see somebody interesting? I think the key for me is, is, is placing myself in a position where a lot of people are at. So a lot of times I go to places where, you know, uh, like 14th Street in New York City, Union Square, has a lot of very interesting people. So when you're in a place like that, you have an abundance of individuals around you. So it's really no problem if you study them. And, it, you know, a very important factor, too, is body language. If you study the body language of a person, it kind of like gives you a, a feel of how to approach a particular person. If an individual is, is dressed w- really nice you know, there's a good chance that that person doesn't mind being photographed. For me, I love parades. You can't go wrong at a parade. Both those that are participants, in addition to those that are spectators, I find that in atmospheres like that, people are more apt to be uh, photographed. So I always put myself in a place with a lot of people where there's good energy and, and people just feel good about themselves. It's just a really overall good vibration. And uh, or, and have a smile on your face, and, no, you and not, not look threatening or anything. It's true. I find that it's uh, it's a lot easier than uh, than one would think. People are really flattered when you want to photograph them. I've very rarely had any rejections. Um, on the contrary, I mean, people have even offered uh, to cross the street. Say, "Oh, you're sure that wouldn't be?" You know, sometimes you just don't want to ask too much of them, but they'll say, "Oh, I, maybe across the street or something." They even offer to move and to get you know the the best uh, photograph possible. So people are really responsive to that, and uh, and it's always fun. I mean, the, I always say uh, to my students when you do street portraits. 
you should leave, but both parties should leave with a smile on their face. It should be a good experience to both. Yes. And I find the conversations very important because one of the things that I, I say to those that I photographed that I, I want to record your legacy for future generations to see. Mm-hmm. So I make it very clear what my purpose is. And it's sincere. You know, it's not about just getting an image and just keeping it moving. I sincerely want to record the person's legacy. And, 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 and I want to preserve it in the history books. And at the same time, I want to give them a copy of that photograph so they can have a memory of the experience and pass it on to family members or, or just to have a, a record of that particular moment. So do you, uh, do you carry business cards with you? Do you take notes as to who they are, their story? Yes, I do. I take notes now and um, I carry business cards. I've been doing that really for over 30 years now. And I try to forge a connection with everyone which I photograph for the most part, if time permits. And sometimes in, in this day of modern technology, everyone has a cell phone camera. Mm-hmm. So what they may want instead, too. And I, I often say, so you know what, let me get your cell phone camera. Let me take a photograph for you. So now they can upload it and they have that memory. And that, that makes me feel good at the same time to photograph people in that fashion. That's right. That's a great idea. So um, tell me about this new project, Honor and Dignity. How did you get the idea? And and what is it? Well, Honor and Dignity is pretty much rooted in my family. And I grew up in a military family. You know, my grandfather was in World War II. His brothers were in World War II. My father, my uncles, practically everyone was in the service. And in looking at the photographs in which they've captured both of of their friends and and, and, and images themselves, I saw dignity. And I felt that was very important to have. And unfortunately, all my family members, none of them are no longer here. And I never had an opportunity to really interview them and learn more about that process. So I feel that what I'm doing right now is is helping to keep that history alive, you know, of the elders and their stories. So with Honor and Dignity, it started pretty much 30 years ago, uh, a little bit after when I came home from the military. And I started to photograph Vietnam veterans. And I grew up during that era of the war and, and, and just seeing it unfold in front of my eyes as a young child. I was very interested in who these men were. So um, amazingly, you know, uh, uh, in the 1980s, I would go on to, to c- encounter these men and not to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm against war. But at the same time, I felt the need to get this story. And I found that in going to the Veterans Day Parade, you have men that have this great sense of honor. And I, and I started to document veterans at that point in time. And then I branched out. And I just started focusing on anything that represented iron and dignity. I wanted to get really the invisible people, especially in my community, which is oftentimes misrepresented. So I went on to photograph fathers and their children. Uh, I photographed best friends. You know, I found that Sunday was a really positive time to go out in the streets and photograph people. They were going to and from church or it was just a serene moment. And I wanted to to let them know that I see you. I recognize you. So I made it a point to just work focused on this project everywhere I went when I and, and at the same time in seeing fathers and their children it gave me an opportunity to your body of work um and and you're still shooting for that that project today right yes I am so who who do you look for where do you go Basically, uh, one of the main places in which I really enjoy because of the energy and, and the, vi- the good vibrations are, are parades. Mm-hmm. I love all parades in the city. New York are known for their uh, celebrations. So for, with this particular project, I've been photographing the, uh, the Veterans Day Parade, the Memorial Day Parade. We had a, a ceremony called Fleet Week. I would document that ceremony where you have ships from around the world coming into New York for a weekend and uh, or, excuse me, a week and just celebrating life. 
Okay. Uh, I would go to college universities and photograph different organizations. Uh, I would go to hospitals and photograph doctors and nurses. I would photograph police officers and different civil servant workers, from san- okay. sanitation workers to postal workers, pretty much all individuals that that, that are civil servants and oftentimes are not, not uh, uh, viewed as, as important. Because all too often we see the celebs, but we don't see the common everyday people. So I try to go against the grain and find people that do a great service but are not often recognized. Uh, train conductors and motormen, uh, airline pilots. You know, everywhere I go when I see people really wearing a uniform and, or, or, you know, striving to just be positive, I photograph them. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, and I, you're right. They all have one thing in common. They wear a uniform. And uh, and some of them are, are invisible to us. I mean, you know, who, who would have thought of, you know, maybe photographing their the postal worker or uh, I think that's a that's just such a great idea so what story what what are the few people that have stood out the most recently recently uh with my daughter's college experience I, I spent a lot of time at head university and I trained my lens and, and you know it's a controversial subject now with the fraternities but I found a, a great interest in photographing fraternities at universities and it's just something about that greek culture that really amazed me and my daughter was a part of one of the organizations so it pretty much gave me a master key into that world and not only the fraternities itself but also college students because they represent the future leaders of tomorrow and i felt it was very important to capture them in their youth and that was special to me because it showed hope and 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 promise So that was a great journey for me to spend time at uh, the university and just not only photograph these young students, but speak about speak to them about their goals and aspirations for the future. That's that's so true. So um, what would you want to do with this project when it's done? I mean, that's, that could go for a very long time. Do you have did you set yourself a de- deadline when you want to have and believe for, for me, uh, April of 1970 of, of, of next year, 2015, it was going to conclude that project because I plan to go to Vietnam and because that represents the 40th anniversary of the ending of that war. So that's my timeline to complete this project because I want to document the culture over there. So once that project is complete, hopefully I could perhaps do a book based on it and definitely a series of exhibitions and artist talks all over the country and even parts of the world. Oh, great. So you're planning on traveling with this, maybe as a, actually even maybe a traveling exhibit, possibly? Yes, yes. I, I look wow. forward to doing that. So are you going to any of the anniversary commemorations? Well, I will be going to Vietnam, hopefully in April of, of 2015. That's very important to me because being I've been photographing Vietnam veterans for so long, it's important for me now to go to Vietnam and document the other side. So it is my hope to go and photograph soldiers the, uh, who served in the North Vietnamese Army and soldiers that were in the Viet Cong. And I think it would be a very into- important story to actually do an exhibition and have those photographs shown. And, and show just the faces of war. So that's been close to my heart for a very long time. So I think that Vietnam is going to be my ultimate trip right now. Last year, I went to the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington, and I was able to build up a body work based off that experience. So a lot of the anniversaries I have a tendency to go to because of its historic nature. Sure, yeah. And um, I'm from Normandy in France. So, uh, of course, we just had the big... Uh, anniversary celebrations there of uh, of D-Day and uh, it is such a so moving and so humbling and um, yes it's quite have you ever been there 
Uh, I haven't been to Normandy. I've, I've been to uh, that part of France. I've, I've been to, to the Belgian area okay. and uh, 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 Roubaix and Lille, which are two cities in which I've done quite a few exhibitions at. But okay. I've never made to Normandy. So Normandy is really next on my agenda after Vietnam to go to. And I think that will bring things full circle as well. So I'm really looking forward, hopefully, uh, next year to make that journey around uh, uh, June 6th. Yes, yes. Oh, well, we'll definitely have to keep in touch because I know a lot of people there and uh, could probably help you out and make some connections before your trip. That would be wonderful. For sure. So um, I have a feeling you already know what your next project is going to be once this one's done. Well, there's, a, there's quite a few projects I'm working on right now. I, I love books because, to me, in producing a book, it allows me to share that work with the world. And I, then I could put that body of work away. So I've been very fortunate to produce six books. And I just have so much work right now. And, and it's, it's, you know, a lot of it is in photo albums. And I just feel the need that I have to share it with really the people which I photograph. I promised them that I was going to preserve their history. So in having a book out, it's out there right now. Mm-hmm. So my main objective, I have like really about five book projects on the table right now. Uh, the Unposed book, which is strictly documentary photography. There's another book based strictly, strictly on black and white photography. Uh, there's another one I, uh, I, I endeavored to do on, uh, again, uh, uh, pride and dignity or uh, honor, honor and dignity, excuse me. And just another one is called Faces, just faces of people I met during the course of my life and just tell the stories of these people because I believe in angels. And a lot of times I, I, I photograph people who are very special. So I would love to do a book based off that journey and just explain the people I met and, and how they have touched my life, mm-hmm. my life, excuse me. Exactly. And also, um, now, who, I wanted to ask you that earlier, uh, but who are the photographers that have inspired you the most besides your your father and uncles? Well, uh, I woke up this morning to the work of Steve McCurry. Oh, I absolutely yes. love his work. His work is just so it, it's it's spiritual food for the soul. When I look at those images, I see hope and promise. I'm looking at b- beautiful photographs of young people all over the world, just innocent people. So that work really resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the work of Edward S. Curtis and how he documented Native American culture back in the 1900s. Uh, the, uh, I appreciate the work of James Van Der Zee. Uh, the foundation for my vision is really rooted in the work of uh, Leonard Freed, whose work inspired me when I was a young child. So that work is very close to my heart and just his over overall vision in general. Uh, uh, I appreciate the work of war photographers. Uh, Tyler Hicks, who shoots for the New York Times, an incredible young man who has placed himself in harm's way to bring us the images of war. Uh, James Natchway, I, I respect his courage to go in, 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 these war, in these war-torn countries to, again, show us the horrors of war. So there's so many right now yes. that really touched my life. You know, and uh, I, I appreciate all of them. So many have contributed. Joseph Rodriguez, another incredible photographer whose work Spanish Harlem inspired me to do my first book back in the days. Oh, great. Yeah, I'll have to check. Uh, a lot of those I don't know, so I'll have to check those out. Um, so now, a, a family of photographers. Do you have children who are photographers? Well, I have a daughter right now who's embracing the craft, but she's oh, taking great. it to another level because she's, she's actually doing what, what I did 30 years ago, but now she's doing it with a video camera and with the still camera, and she's going out there just capturing stories of a lot of the people which I subjects in which I, I uh, had an interest in and those are Vietnam veterans and veterans from both the Iraq and Afghan war so she's carrying on the torchlight my brother's a photographer uh, and really everyone around me is a photographer because if you're going to spend time with me I'm going to teach you the craft you know, <laughs> so they both play photo- they, they both uh, embrace photography and pretty much everyone's a chess player 
Oh, really? So but those wow. are two gifts that were given to me. So I feel that I mean, two really special gifts that were given to me, you know, many years ago. So I try to share what the little bit I have with others, and I think that photography is is a great uh, 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 craft to embrace. And chess is very important to me, too, because it deals with conflict resolution. And I think that all young people should know how to play chess to help them better understand the difficulties of life, the obstacles that you're faced with, and trying to find different uh, means and methods to meet and overcome these obstacles. So I teach chess and photography every chance I get to everyone around me. That's great. So now do you uh, do you actually teach workshops? Uh, with, uh Uh, photography workshops or not? Yes, I have. I, I've been doing it for quite a t for quite a while. I'm pretty much a troubleshooter. Every opportunity I get to travel to a different city or country, I make it a point to to teach a workshop. If I'm exhibiting in the country, I always make it a point that you know, if, being I'm going to be here, I would love to do a workshop with young people. So I just returned from Montreal where I conducted a workshop there with a group of, of youth. And um, um, I'm about to conduct one in, in a few weeks in Brooklyn. So every time I get a phone call, if, if, if time uh, permits... I make it a point to share my, my gift. And it's just a blessing because, again, it was something given to me as a gift, and I want to, in, in turn, pass it on to the next person. So whenever the opportunity presents itself, I try to, I try to uh, accommodate the different schools and institutions. That's great. So now you don't, you're, you're retired from your full-time job, right? Yes, I am. So your photography is your full-time job now? It is my full-time job now, just archiving my work. That's, that's what I do 24-7. That's right. Wow. That that how many how many images do you figure you you have so far? I really can't say right now. With digital photography it increased it drastically. Right. On my computer right now I have like fifty thousand images, so I can't even tell you right now. I haven't even attempted to try to figure that out. Wow. That's that's crazy. Well that's so that's all you have your work cut out for you. <laughs> <laughs> I do, and I, I really enjoy it, and I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to really do it, to make this a part of my life right now. So it's a, it's, it's something I enjoy doing because, you know, each, every photograph, again, represents a very precious moment of my life. It's a piece of a puzzle. Yeah. So I get great delight. It could be, it could be a, a photograph that's not properly focused, but something inspired me to take it. So it's, everything yeah. is so vital to me at this point. As I'm speaking to you right now, I'm looking at like thousands of images all around me that need to be organized. And wow. what's so beautiful about it too, Valerie, that, that, that's beyond what I ever imagined with the, with the publications of my books. I've heard countless stories of people in bookstores crying as they look through my pages because of the changes that have transpired. The fact that for many it's nostalgia, for some it's painful memories. I might have taken a photograph of a young man who is no longer here, but I've heard it on so many occasions of people breaking down and crying in, in the bookstore. So I'm hearing a lot of stories right now. And through Facebook, I'm, I received countless emails from people all over the country telling me that you have a picture of my father in your book or you photographed me 30 years ago. So I have my interpretation of it. But now to be in a position to reconnect with the subjects and hear the, another part of the story, I think that that's mind blowing to me because I'm, I'm learning so much more about the work I created. And it's beyond what I ever imagined when I was creating the images. Yeah, you, you, the reach is amazing now. That's the yes. thing, and uh, and and the people you photographed in your neighborhood uh, in Brooklyn. I mean, things have changed so much, and uh, what a great what a great thing, what a great uh, legacy. I, this just uh, I really urge everyone to to check out those books. I can't wait to uh, to see the the candid photograph books because, uh, as you said, that's not something that pops out when we look at your work online uh, it's mostly portraits so yes. um I'm, i'm very uh i'm looking forward to to that book um 
Any any tip you would like to give? I think it's good to have like a theme. And my mm-hmm. father taught me that early on. Because now when you have a theme, it gives you a focus. You know, my theme, I, I have a series of themes I work on when I, when I step out of my home. And I'm, I'm, never, I'm never at loss. It could be fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. It could be twins. It could be military personnel. It could be structure. But I always have a theme. So when you have a theme, you have a focus. That's one. And second is to carry your camera everywhere you go. I mean, I constantly have my camera with me and it's locked and it's loaded. It's ready to go. It's set on a basic aperture where I could just lift it up and I could just get a shot. So carry your camera everywhere you go. And as you start to develop your body of work, it's, it's pretty important to have maybe a little portfolio with you of some of the images that mirror what it is you're trying to create. Yeah. So when I shoot veterans, I make it a point to have a portfolio, perhaps uh, 10 to 25 by six photographs. And I could show them and say, this is what I'm working on right now. So they can see what it is I'm trying to create. So the main tip is to have a theme, carry your camera everywhere you go, and, and carry a little bit of work with you to help tell the story. Yeah, and it's easy to even have this, that portfolio on your smartphone nowadays. Yes, so, yes, yes. Um, and, uh, and even to use your phone if that's all you have to, to, to photograph um, life around you. And, and you're right, I think having, having a theme, um, and you can be working on different themes. I always have several, you know, and um, in the back of my mind, and there is always something that will... Uh, that will come uh, that come your way. Sometimes I yes. feel like sometimes it just comes to you, and uh, yes. and it it makes your photo walks like a, a treasure hunt, really, and it's fascinating. So right, and see with the third eye too, because I, I found find that creative people see without third eyes. So when you go out there and you start to really analyze life around, you'd be amazed with what you see. Because it's something. Because I walk with other photographers sometimes, and I might see something, and they walk right by, and they don't even see it. So I'm always looking. So be analytical when you travel. Just observe your surroundings, because there's so much going. Going on around you, and you just—I I like to just look. I'm constantly observing, searching for an image, and and, uh, and, and it's everywhere. It's like everywhere I look. There's a photograph. This, this, or yeah. should I say, there's a possible image. So just be observant. Yeah, there is a there is a story happening uh, around us at every street corner. You just have to just have to see it and, and be respectful oh, yeah. uh, to your subject. That's always the number one rule when you're out in the street with a camera. Where so where can people find out more about you? One one place to one place to to go to see more of, of your work. I will link everything on the show notes, but if people are listening to this show in their cars and they want to check out check it out right away. Okay. Well, I have a website, which I'm working on right now. It's pretty outdated at this point, but nevertheless, the website can give you somewhat of a feel of some of my work, and that's uh, jamelshabazz.com. And my Facebook page, page is a very interesting page because within, with, within that page is a combination of my images, uh, photographs of other photographers that inspired me, and there's music on there that inspired me at the same time. So if you go to my Facebook page, you will see a lot of my work that I've done over the many years, and I think it goes back to maybe 2011. So if you backtrack you'll see a whole lot of images that inspired me and, and, and some of the images I shared at the same time. So those are two of the main places in which you can go and see some more of my images. And if you just Google me, you probably a whole lot of things to come up too. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to be on the on Street Focus today. And thanks for having me. And I thank you for all of the wonderful work that you are doing. Of course, you know, uh, you're creating platforms, photographers to share their voice and vision. That's very important work. So I salute you and you have my full support. And Thank I look forward to meeting you soon, too. Yes, I'll be in New York a couple of times next year. So uh, definitely uh, I'll, uh, I'll send you a, an email and hopefully we can, we can meet for coffee and maybe walk around with our cameras. That would be wonderful. Well, thank, thank you so much, Valerie. Thank you, Jamel. You're welcome. And we are at the end of another episode of Street Focus. 
please head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash street to subscribe to the show and also to check out links to Jamel's work. Also, Street Focus is on Google+. Please join our growing community there. And if you enjoy the show, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating. Thank you. And uh, to sign up for exclusive TWIP membership benefits and discounts, you can go to thisweekinphoto.com slash join. My name is Valérie Jardin, and you've been listening to Street Focus. Now it's time to grab that camera and hit the streets. Thank you.